Welcome to Discovery Church's Sunday Service Podcast. Thanks for being with us and listening along with us each week as we post messages from Discovery Church in Bowmanville, Ontario. If you're subscribed to our DC podcast, thanks very much. We appreciate it. It's an opportunity for us to share with you in different ways the message from Sunday. We want to thank those of you who are regular listeners, and we would love to encourage you to make a donation to Discovery Church so that we can continue to get the message out through podcasts, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, uh, and online. Uh, we know that these things are means to get the message of the gospel out and to encourage you. Uh, we would also appreciate a donation. You can do that by going to our website, www.discoverychurch.ca forward slash donate, or you can make an e-transfer donation uh, by sending an e-transfer to donate at discoverychurch.ca. Thanks and enjoy this newest episode. Mark 14, 43 to 52. Immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priest, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away un under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus asked them, Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there among you teaching every day. But these things are happening to fulfill what the scriptures say about me. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. One young man following behind was clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. Mark 66 to 72, Peter denies Jesus. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. She looked at him closely and said, You are one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entry. Just then, a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, This man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, You must be one of them, because you are a Galilean. Peter swore, A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. Thanks, Marie. I appreciate you uh, reading that for us today. By the way, if you're watching us online and you'd like to participate in our services, we would love to uh, give you the opportunity to maybe read scripture or participate in uh, sharing a kid's message uh, at the beginning of our services. Let us know if you're interested in doing that. 
But we're continuing on today in this series called The Last Three Days. Uh, last Sunday, I talked about the Thursday before Jesus went to the cross and he rose again on the Sunday. Uh, Thursday, then Jesus was crucified on the Friday, then Saturday, the Sabbath day, and then on Sunday, Jesus rose again. And what I wanted to do with the series is talk about these last three days. And I'm using the book of Mark to talk about this because Mark's uh, testimony, though his you know, biography of Jesus and the account of Jesus' life uh, is very powerfully moving emotionally. And it's very different than some of the other accounts of Jesus' life in the other Gospels. Not that they're that different, but just the tone of how he tells the story tells about the emotional side, the human side of Jesus and what he experienced, maybe more so than the other Gospels do. You know, we talk about Jesus as being the Son of God, who is uh, God, but then we also talk about Jesus who lived on this earth. And, and I think far too often we kind of want to put Jesus, we want to push him up onto a pedestal and we want to put him way up in the cloud somewhere. And we have a hard time identifying with the fact that he's human, that he has emotions and that he experienced some very, very strong feelings in those last three days that you might just be surprised about. Last time we talked about, you know, how Jesus had to say goodbye to his disciples he knew that he was going to the cross. He had the Last Supper meal, and this Last Supper meal was about his body being sacrificed and him becoming a Lamb of God and all of the emotions that were going through his mind as Judas. He even named Judas in that moment as his betrayer. And today we hear about the story of Judas and Peter. Judas, who then comes and shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane and kisses Jesus on the cheek as the sign that he's the one that they're to be arresting. And Peter, who denies Jesus three times. You know, these, um, these things that Jesus went through, these powerful emotions, are emotions that you and I feel. They are things that we are going to experience. As a matter of fact, it's in those darkest times when we experience those, those really strong emotions, those negative emotions, that we can look to Jesus and say, he, knew, he knows what I'm going through. And I want to talk about this idea of being betrayed. I don't know if you've been betrayed before. Betrayal happens from somebody that you know, somebody that cares about you and somebody that you care about, right? Because if it was an enemy, it would just be a matter of circumstance. If they did something to you and uh, they uh, went against what you thought they were going to go through, if they're an enemy, well, you expect that of an enemy. But betrayal comes from somebody that you know. Anyone experience betrayal from someone that you know? Yeah? A friend who you thought was going to be, you know, doing something for you or taking care of you or even supporting you and they didn't? They turned around and did the opposite? The Bible tells us that betrayal happens in the dark. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it starts with, on the night that Jesus was betrayed... Remember, those words happen every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We read the scripture from every passage where the Bible passage happens. It says, on the night that he was betrayed. And that first thing that I want you to understand is that betrayal happens at night. Whether that's literal darkness or it's under the cover of darkness. Betrayal happens when sin runs rampant. 
And when you've been called, you know, you understand what this kind of darkness, this kind of this betrayal feels like. Maybe you've been called into the, your employer's office and you, and you got fired and, and it was because somebody said something about you or because they needed to downsize and, and it was a surprise to you. And, or maybe that there wasn't even anything that you did wrong and, and you got blamed for it and now you're out of a job. That's betrayal, right? Maybe it's been in the form of an email or text message from someone you're in a relationship with that says, I'm done. And there's like shock. They said, I found somebody else. And you're like, found someone else? How could I be so blind to all of this? Maybe it's... uh, you felt sorry for someone who's been addicted or who's in an addiction or uh, who's on the street and you bring them into your home. Maybe that's a child of yours. You bring them into the home and they steal from you. That's betrayal. Maybe when your ex stops by with their new boyfriend or girlfriend and you feel that sense of betrayal. Or when someone accuses of someone else of abuse or hurt or harm, only to get back at them, not because it's real. You know, those are the kinds of things that you might experience when you have betrayal. Betrayal also happens by, happens from someone that you trust, right? I think I've said that before. It happens in the dark and it happens from someone that you trust. Now, betrayal is more than rejection. Rejection says, uh, you know, rejection opens a wound, right? Betrayal, you know, puts the knife in and turns it. Uh, it's more than loneliness, but because loneliness kind of puts you out in the cold. Betrayal puts you out in the cold and closes the door and says, you're not coming back in. It's more than mockery, but betrayal is more than mockery. Mockery kind of jabs the knife and betrayal just kind of twists it. And it's more than just insulting your pride. It's about getting to your heart. You're, maybe you're thinking about your integrity or my integrity is, is wounded. Well, no, it's more than that. It's, it goes deeper. It goes into the depths of your heart when you feel betrayed. It's a difficult emotion. Jesus experienced it. Wherever there's an opportunity for love in a relationship, there's an opportunity for hurt. You have to open yourself up to the possibility when you love someone that it's possible for them to hurt you. I know many of you have struggled in your relationships because you've had a relationship where someone betrayed you. You don't have to be young to experience this. You can be much older and experience betrayal in your relationship and you've closed yourself off to further new relationships because you just don't want to be hurt like that again. In this passage, in these passages that we've been talking about, Jesus is betrayed seven times with seven different groups of people. Just think about this for a minute. Judas, first of all, he points him out during the Lord's Supper. It's Judas. He's the one who's going to be. He's sitting right here. Then Judas shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has been praying all night long. Remember the story from last time? He'd been praying all night long, said, God, please take this away from me. Please don't let them fall into this kind of temptation that I'm experiencing. I'm gonna do your will, God, but spare them the temptation. Spare me from this cup if possible. And then Judas shows up with the temple guards. And that's where we pick up the story here today. Judas betrays him. The disciples betray him. Jesus told the disciples, all of you are going to flee. You're just going to 
take off. And in the passage that we read here, the, the Judas brings the temple guard. The temple guard's standing there. What happens to the disciples? They run. One of the disciples is running, and he, somebody, one of the guards grabs his, his whatever covering he's got on, and he's got nothing on it underneath, and he runs away naked. But they all, they all betray him. They deny him. And there he is left on the mountain where he had just asked them to pray and to stand watch with him. The religious leaders, Jesus goes from this place and he's now going to be tried in front of the religious leaders. I didn't read that passage, but the Garden of Gethsemane, the being arrested, then Jesus is taken in front of the, the religious leaders to be uh, tried and they betray him. They know that he hasn't done anything wrong. They bring trumped up charges to him. They understand that this is a betrayal. It comes from the people that you're supposed to be able to trust sometimes. And then Peter did it. I want you to understand this, that Jesus had friends, deep relationships with three men, and he had the 12 around him. He had these deep relationships with the 12, but especially these three men who he called his best friends. He took them places that he didn't take other people. He spent time with them that he didn't spend with the other disciples. And here Peter is like, I don't know the guy. Jesus told him, you're going to betray me. No, Lord, I'd never do that. Yes, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to betray me. I would never do that. I'd go to my death for you, God. And Jesus says, get a stand aside, Satan. Peter's in the garden. Somebody came up to me last week and, and said, uh, we were talking about this, and, and he said, the uh, Bible's funny sometimes, uh, some humor in, in the text that, you, that you, you, when you read it, you think you have to think about it, ponder it a little bit. Peter's in a, in, a, in a courtyard and a little girl comes up to him and says, weren't you one of Jesus' disciples? I'm not talking a woman of your age here. I'm talking about a little girl. <laughs> and in the face of a little girl, he denies Jesus. There was no consequence for him in that denial, in that moment with that little girl. And then that little girl goes and tells the others, I think that he is one, one of them. And he says, no, I'm not. And then they all come over and say, surely you're the one. I swear to you, I don't know the man. There are four versions of this in the Bible. Some people say to me, well, why are there four versions of the story of Jesus? And why are they a little bit different? Well, when there's, a, when there's an accident, there's a police coming, they have, they have do an investigation, they interview witnesses. Why do they interview more than one person when there's an accident? Because people see things differently and they experience things differently when something happens. So we have four accounts of what happened to Jesus and each one, one of the, the, the books there have a majority of the same things in common, but there's little things that each person noticed or were told about when the record was written. And in Luke chapter 23, when this story of Peter's denial happens, but Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed for the second time. And then in this portion of Luke chapter 23 verse 61, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I think to myself, Peter made that denial in the courtyard and he could see Jesus. 
It wasn't like, the, like he was held up in a room somewhere and, you know, being, he's in the courtyard with Peter. Peter denies him three times and after the third time, they, their eyes meet. My best friend. My best friend just betrayed me. Now, I know that you've been betrayed in your life before because I have too. You know, there have been occasions where I, I just thought to myself, where did this, how did, how did I not see this coming? It happened to me. And you're just cut deeply by it. You're wounded. You're emotional because of it. You get angry. Us guys, we, you know, we get angry quicker than maybe some, maybe the ladies in the room. But you know, I just got angry about this and I couldn't believe it. I wanted to punch something. And there's Jesus. Judas has betrayed him. Jesus kind of knew that was coming. Well, he knew that Peter was going to do it too, but he'd already said Judas was going to do it. But then, then all the disciples flee. And then he's betrayed by the religious leaders. Then he's betrayed by Peter. And then the Jewish people. Pilate betrayed Jesus. Pilate had no reason to betray Jesus. He's just one of the Roman leaders. Jesus stands up in front of him and he says, I wash my hands of this. You're on your own, Jesus. But let's be honest for a minute. You've been a betrayer too. Because I know you. I know me. We've all done it before. Maybe we, we had good intentions. I don't know. Maybe we just were living out of the place that we thought we were living out of and didn't think about the consequences. Maybe we were just intentional. But let's think about this in relationship to your relationship with Jesus. Every time you believe Satan and his lies over Jesus, you betray him. Every time you sin, you betray him. Jesus wants to make eye contact with each one of you. He wants to look deep in your eyes, even into your soul. He says, you are my friend. You are the person I love dearly. And if he can experience that kind of feeling and emotion on earth when he was here, do you not think that he experiences that when we betray him? Every time you act in disbelief and go your own way, go the way that you want to go, and you deny that Jesus is who he is, and by your actions, we betray him. Every time we turn away from God and we play the role of the prodigal. Remember, you remember what prodigals are? The story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son goes to his father and says, give me my portion of, my, of the inheritance. I want my portion. I want it all. I'm going to do with it what I want. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to take all the blessings that you've given me. I'm going to say no to you. I'm going to walk away from my father and I'm going to spend it all in whatever I want to. Whenever we play the prodigal, we're the ones giving Jesus that Judas kiss. Every time we trust in all the clubs and the groups and the parties and the bars and the associations that uh, take us away from Jesus uh, and that uh, try to give us the things that only Jesus can give, we betray him. 
Sometimes people come to church and they put on a face and they put on an act and they pretend that they're here for the good. They maybe even show up every Sunday and put on a face that I'm doing well or that I love this group of people or I care about you as a group of people and then go away from here and set us up for failure or talk about us as a church in a way that's a betrayal. You know, we want to look good to everybody, but we got to come face to face with the truth. Otherwise, we cannot really move forward. Has anybody here ever felt betrayed before? Has anyone been the betrayer? Well, I think of of Judas's betrayal, right? And I wanted you to think about this. And uh, it's no mistake that Judas's story and Peter's story are almost side by side in the text. Because there's a big difference between Judas's story and Peter's story, right? The betrayal that Judas does and the denial that Peter does has different outcomes. And I want you to notice that. First of all, uh, Judas went away from this uh, betrayal filled with guilt because he ends up killing himself, right? He throws the money back at the Pharisees. He says, I I don't want it. I feel too guilty about this. And he ends up committing suicide. Peter, on the other hand, he goes away in sorrow, right? Right? The passage, the last part of the verse is, and he broke down and wept once he realized what he'd done. Guilt leads us to, or should lead us to repentance. Shame is us saying that we're not good enough. There's no room for shame in God's glory. God says, I I love you the way you are, even though you've done wrong. But when we feel guilty, it's supposed to move us to a place of repentance to say to God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Peter breaks down and weeps because he feels guilty for what he's done. Wants to make it right. Judas went back to the Pharisees. Peter, where did he go? He went to find the disciples. He went back to his brothers Judas gave the money back. Peter had nothing left. And eventually, Peter and Jesus reconcile. There's this wonderful moment uh, after Jesus' resurrection where Jesus finds Peter and the other disciples fishing in Galilee. They've, they've gone back to where they, where they first met Jesus, and they're literally you know, reminiscing by going fishing again. And it's this beautiful scene I've been at the shore of Galilee when this happened. It was just so moving for me. Probably one of the most moving experiences of being in Israel was the story of hearing Jesus showing up and all the disciples are fishing and he talks to them and asks them about catching fish and then he sits down with Peter. He basically has a meal, fish and chips, you know, and says to Peter three times, do you love me? Peter's denial three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, Lord. Are you sure that you love me? Yes, I'm sure that, you love, that I love you. Peter, do you really? Yes, Lord, I really. Then Peter, I want you to feed my lambs. And I think about Peter so much because I can identify with Peter. 
Because there are times when I do things that I'm ashamed of, that that I feel guilty for, that I recognize our betrayals to who Jesus is in my life, that I've done things that I need to repent for and turn back to the people in my life, the people that I love who are going to support me, you, people here in this congregation, those of you who pray for me and pray for what's going on in this church, and I'm praying that you have the same experiences, that you can stand next to the people here in this church and say, brothers, sisters, I've denied Jesus in my life. And I need you to pray for me. (laughs) It's interesting, the first time that Peter feeds the sheep, Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. First time Peter gets up to preach after Jesus goes to heaven is in the temple courts and 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. And they all get baptized. Could you imagine the lineup to get baptized? (laughs) But they're all convicted of the words of Peter as he tells the story. You know, the interesting thing about this text is is that there's so much detail to Peter's story in all of the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that only Peter would have known. He tells the story over and over and over again so that we all can recognize that there are moments when we fail miserably at being this Jesus follower that we're called to be. And Peter's story always ends with, and Jesus met me on the beach. And he forgave me. See, that's the glorious story of the ending of of this Uh, this message today that I want to communicate to you is that even though Jesus experienced the denials, the disappointments, the worry, the, 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 the incredibly human aspect of everything that you and I go through that we can identify with, that when you are betrayed or when you are the betrayer, when you go through the disappointments, that Jesus actually experienced these things. And we can take a cue from him. When someone betrays you, With everything that is in you, you want to revenge, you want to run away, you want to get even. And what did Jesus do? I think the best thing that he did was stay silent. You know, we've been in experiences before at at this church where, and uh, other churches too, where the church gets accused of doing something wrong. Somebody says that we're doing something. We have a, if you go to our um, Google search for Discovery Church, you'll see a review, Google review. And there's a story listed there from someone who is disappointed with Discovery Church. Every church has them. Somebody will come along and tell their side of the story. And of course, what we all do, everyone does, churches are no different, we'll tell our side of the story and make our side of the story sound more like how we want it. But our response to that bad review, to that person who comes up and has a complaint, is silence. Because there's nothing that we can do in that moment to justify or to make right. Because if I try to correct the error, I look like I'm hiding something. If I try to uh, point the finger back in the other direction, I look arrogant. If I try to slander the other person, I'm just no better than they are. 
And so Jesus just kept silent. In the midst of betrayal. And he forgave. And that's what I want you to know today. When Jesus met Peter in, at the, on the beach in Galilee after going fishing and he shared a meal with him, he received the grace of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Am I right? Every one of us. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the moment of our salvation is still at hand. We are called to work out our salvation. You may not have said yes to Jesus yet. Maybe you have. And you're just experiencing these emotions right now where you're starting to feel like, I need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. Here's what Jesus will say to you. My grace is here for you. My love is greater than anything that you bring to me. My plan for you is that you find life, not death. When you come to me and ask for forgiveness. There's a song from uh, Hillsong, uh, Hillsong Worship called Man of Sorrows. It goes like this, man of sorrows, lamb of God, by his own betrayed. The sin of man and the wrath of God has been on Jesus laid. Silent as he stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to his father's will, he took the crown of thorns. Listen to the chorus. Oh, that rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now my soul cries out hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee. Jesus feels the betrayal. He knows how you feel when you've been betrayed. Jesus feels the denial. And he knows what it's like when people ignore you and deny who you are. And the great blessing of the message of salvation is that that rugged cross of my salvation is where Christ poured out his love for us. The truth today is that you're part of the body of Christ. If you've said you're a follower of his, and grace is here for you. So, fellow betrayers, hear me. Because of the cross, I offer to you this grace. Grace for your heart, Grace for your hurt, grace for your pain, grace for your bitterness and your hate, and for your depression. Why? Because Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, and he loves you anyway. Amen. Father, we thank you for the great and good news that it is by grace that we have been saved, not because of what we've done, because, Lord, there are times when we betray you. There are times when we deny you. Lord, you know what it's like to be the recipient of that. And we know what it's like to be the recipient. But Lord, we, when we come to you, we ask you for your grace to fill us because of Jesus. Amen.